the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings to you. Thanks for coming along for the Tuesday edition. Kath has the day off. Been sort of doing this um, tag team <laughs> vacation. Uh, I'm off. She's off. Uh, she'll be back tomorrow. Anyway, uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, really always a great pleasure to sit here during the 4 o'clock hour till 6 o'clock and talk and engage in conversation primarily uh, about Christ right? and uh, our world and all that's in it. So th- thanks for coming along. I do appreciate your time here. Um, I've been away. I've been on vacation, which has really just been such a, a godsend. What a blessing. Here's my story in short. Um, August 31st, the last day of August, I was driving home from work, which I have been doing. uh, I've been here for a long time, decades. So that route, I know like the back of my hand. Anyway, I was driving through the Squirrel Hill Tunnel and traffic came to a a halt, which of course, you know, you're traveling through the Squirrel Hill Tunnels or the Fort Pitt Tunnels or whatnot. You, You know, it's the tunnels in Pittsburgh. It's just one of the quirks of living here in Western Pennsylvania. Anyway, traffic came to a halt. I look in my rearview mirror, and I see some guy who is coming right towards me. And then at the last second, apparently, he may have been distracted. I'll say that. He, I was in the left-hand lane. He was in the right-hand lane. or He tried to go around an 18-wheeler at the last second. My guess is so distracted looking at his phone or whatnot bounced into the 18-wheeler, going at a good clip, bounced off the 18-wheeler, and then bounced into me, which forced me to drive into the guy in front of me. So my car, front and back, extensive damage. Long story short, uh, clearly the car is totaled. Okay, that was uh, the 31st. So in the meantime, I'm suffering through this. uh, If you've ever had an aging pet, you know what that's like. And my dog, Gus, 15 plus years of age, just just in that, you know, long downward spiral of, you know, whether you've got a, a dog or a cat and you've suffered through and tried to minister to that aging pet, you know what that's like. Anyway, again, long story short, on Labor Day, which was the 6th of of, um, of September, not even a week after I totaled my car, someone came to our house and put our dog put our dog down. Now, I'm not saying this, you know, the, my grief equates to losing a spouse or a parent or a child. No, I'm not equating that at all. I understand the deep uh, distinction between those two. However, you know what it's like. If you've put down a beloved pet, 
I can't believe. I mean, I can believe, but I still can't believe. What a period of mourning uh, I've been going through. I miss that dog. I I think about that dog <laughs> daily. I'll walk around my house and I'll talk to the dog out loud. You know, uh, I'll see little tufts of hair still, even after cleaning up. Yesterday, I washed his food bowls out and put them in the dishwasher. And I thought, well, I'll just get rid of them. One of my kids said, don't do that. You know, pack them up and save them for later. I mean, that's an ongoing process. Anyway, so on Labor Day, we lost our dog. Then a few days later, I'm out doing yard work and I'm out with the weed whacker. And I, I, <laughs> I unearth a hidden bee colony. And they rise up and I have probably or had probably 20 to 25 bee stings. And that was the final straw. The car was totaled. The dog was dead. I was attacked by bees. I said to my wife, I'm taking a vacation. I am going to the beach. And without batting an eyebrow, that dear sweet woman that I'm married to, long-suffering being married to me, said, you go. So on Saturday morning, September 11th, I packed up the rental and I drove to Virginia. I spent the evening with my sister and my brother-in-law. The next day, I drove down to the Outer Banks, and then I got on 12 South. And when 12 South ended, I boarded the ferry to Ocracoke, and that was an hour on the ferry. And then I got off, found myself a cheapy hotel room, and for the next six days, sat <laughs> by myself at the far edge of the beach on the ocean, under the shade of a little umbrella and a cooler of drinks and some chips and salsa and sat and thought and talked to God and read a good book or two. And I did that. Woke up in the morning, had a cup of coffee, a little muffin, and then trounced out there. And it's shockingly, there is nobody, and I mean nobody on the beach. And I did that for six days. And I'm so grateful for the sun and the sand and the beach and the solitude. I didn't turn my phone on on the beach. I just had it off. Came home at night in my hotel room, uh, had a little easy, you know, inexpensive meal. And I, st I started getting messages from my buddies. Hey, heard you're at the beach. Are you? Are you okay? Are you and the missus? Is there a little problem here that we should talk about? I mean, I love you guys. Hope that you're okay. Uh, to be honest, you know, you love your friends, and, and some people get it. Other people don't, right? You're taking a separate vacation away from your wife. Clearly, something is wrong. There has to be something going on. <laughs> oh, thank God. Thank God my wife has the good sense to say go. And now I'm back. I came back the other day. Uh, I love her. She welcomes me with open arms, made me a beautiful meal. And, you're, you know, you're still going through this thing. I'm dealing with the insurance company. I'm dealing with grief. I'm dealing with my scratchy bee bites. But I thank God for my God and for my wife who love me irregardless of my moodiness and my stupidity and my crankiness, all those things. God is good. He is powerful. He is kind and loving, but he is also a taskmaster. He lays it out before me.
and requires much of me. And I'm grateful for that as well. So I'm here today and happy to be with you. Happy to have this conversation. So thank you. Thanks for being along for these next couple of hours. Hope you stick around. And uh, the conversations that we'll have, we've got four of them in the hopper. And uh, let's see where we go as we take this journey together on the ride home. Stick around. Uh, This is the ride home. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. We're on the dial at 101.5 Word FM. We're also streaming. You want to see my face uh, on YouTube. Uh, The word Pittsburgh, I believe, is what it is. Yeah. I'm there. And uh, check out my head if you want. I'll check out yours as well. Be back in a few minutes. 101.5 WORD. This week on Truth For Life, we'll learn how to persevere in trials, how to determine if our faith is genuine, and how to deal with temptation. And through it all, we'll see the providential grace of God. Join us Monday through Friday here on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Truth For Life with Alistair Begg, tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. When it comes to higher education, it's worth considering a Christian university or college, one that reaffirms students' faith instead of tearing it down. Research shows that students who attend a Christian college can become significantly more committed to their faith, and that's an important investment to make. You care about the type of people who are teaching the classes and about the content of the courses just as much as you do about the strength of the academics. It matters that Christian faith is supported and shared. Find out about many schools at once by attending the free Christian College Fair with representatives of colleges and universities from across North America. Start planning now. Take advantage of the opportunity to meet with representatives from top Christian colleges throughout the country. Learn about financial aid, scholarship opportunities, and more. Take your first step to a Christian college education at Orchard Hill Church in Wexford, Saturday, September 25th from 11 to 1. That's the Pittsburgh Christian College Fair, Saturday, September 25th at Orchard Hill Church in Wexford from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. With today's technology, anyone can take a video, but getting it ready for prime time, that's something many churches aren't equipped to handle. Here at Salem Video, we offer churches everything they need to go from rough cut to picture lock. With your raw footage, we can produce great-looking videos for your social media, podcast, website, and even live service element. From text animation, visual effects, transitions, logos, music, and more, here's where we put it all together. What can Salem Video do for you? Ask GM Brad Marshall at 412-503-4770. If you can fix the big stuff, you can fix the small stuff. For over 100 years, QDOT has fixed big mechanical systems for the commercial industry, from hospitals and factories to churches and schools. You deserve to be treated fairly when it comes to your home's HVAC system. QDOT can solve any mechanical challenge, big or small. For affordable repairs, replacement, and maintenance, QDOT answers 24-7-365. And your safety is their top priority. Call 412-366-6200 at q-dot.com. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents... And we're back with Limu, Emu, and Doug for the final question. Category is things you climb. All right, Limu, what do you think? You sure? We're going with Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need. Oh, so close. We were looking for stairs. Huh. Only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. 
If you're like me, you follow the news closely, right? And and, and especially if you're a believer, there is the, the secular world where you look at your local newspaper or you look at the New York Times, the Washington Post, or whatever your news source is. And then, of course, you follow along in the Christian world news as well. Well, Daniel Silliman is back with us. Daniel's a regular guest on our show. He's the news editor at Christianity Today. He also is the author of a very soon forthcoming book called Reading Evangelicals, How Christian Fiction Shaped a Culture and a Faith. But Daniel's here to talk to us to bring us up to date on some Christian stories that he uh, works on regularly at CT in the gleaning section. Hey, Daniel, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, John. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you, Daniel. Um, so I think the last time you were with us, we talked about um, a man who is condemned to die, um, and he has filed suit because he required that he requested that his pastor would join him, join him in the execution chamber, and place his hands on him as he passed away. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, John Henry Ramirez uh, in Texas um, was scheduled to die at the beginning of September um, for a, for a murder that happened 17 years ago. He he stabbed a guy to death um, over a dollar twenty-five. That's horrible, horrible, <laughs> hard to wrap your head around kind of a kind of a crime. Yeah. But in prison, he's become a Christian and has become a member of a um, Baptist church uh, through through distance and has developed this relationship with a pastor down there in Corpus Christi, Southern Baptist pastor named Dana Moore. And uh, he's he's told, he said that he, John Henry Ramirez has said that he's ready to die, but he would like to have his pastor lay hands on him and pray when that happens. Yeah, which would make sense, right? I mean, I think that's um, whether you call it a courtesy, uh, a common courtesy, or or just a, a good tenet of faith. You want someone to be with you as you take your last breath, no matter how heinous the acts that you committed in the past. Yeah, the pastor talked about uh, being a very normal part of of hospital calls. You know, you hold someone's hand when they're sick. You touch them. Uh, in those times of of crises, and that's what this is going to be for uh, for this man is that is that kind of moment. But the rules in the rules in the Texas prison say that no one is allowed to touch you during the lethal injection um, for religious reasons, and so that's where it raises an interesting legal question: is that the guards, of course touch um, the person being executed, the medical professionals administering the lethal um, drugs touch you. And so it's not it's not really clear why a, um, why a pastor shouldn't shouldn't be able to touch you. So so um, Donald Maris filed a suit um, and the Supreme went to the Supreme Court as basically like, do you think this is worth um, considering, and they said yes. There's been kind of a kind of a whole series of cases about um, religious practice in prison, whether it's Muslims wearing beards or Buddhists who want the right to have a Buddhist spiritual advisor with them. Um, and this is a, a Christian one, and the Supreme Court decided. You know, we don't know how they'll decide, but they decided it was worth considering. Oh, good. So okay, the, so then there's a stay of execution. Then is that true? While the Supreme Court considers this, and w- what does that look like? You know, it takes a long time for legal proceedings to wrangle through. Yeah. 
It does. The, the Supreme Court is a little quicker, I think, than some than some other courts. Uh, it's not on the schedule yet, I don't think. So it might be next summer. Um, but they typically hear cases within a year of when they um, of when they accept them, unless there's some kind of emergency where they have to decide, you know, have to meet immediately. So I would expect it. Um, yeah, within a within a year, and until then. Things will continue. Everyone will just wait. Um, John Ramirez will remain on death row, and the pastor will continue visiting with him and praying with him as this as this legal question gets decided. Yeah, I mean, it's a very curious case, isn't it? And I wonder uh, the the handful of states that still execute people. I wonder, you know, if this is a precedent that, you know, other states allow this or not, or is there a separation when someone is, you know, whether it's lethal injection, uh, which is, I'm sure, the primarily the, the mode of execution in, in this country today or in the rare instance of a firing squad or whatnot, right? I mean, uh, I, I wonder, you know, what what's the problem? Why would someone object to that? You would think that in the last seconds of a person's life, the state would allow there to be some compassion. Yeah, I I, I am not in the position where I have to make that decision, but but I obviously in the sort of older forms of execution, uh, firing squad or right. electrocution, it's not safe, and that would and that would never happen. Um, lethal injection has sort of creates this opportunity. My understanding is that some states do allow it. I think Alabama okay. allows um, laying on of hands. Other cases, maybe it's it's never. Other states that may never have come up. Right. You know, but there's a there's a tension. I mean, I think there's a tension between, you know, security um, is an issue that the prisons are always very very concerned about. Sure. But then there's also this tension between. Um, dignity and the life of the person and, you know, how, how, um, we're putting someone to death. That's a, that's a very serious act, whether you think that's the you know proper thing for the state to be doing or not. And I, I know that, you know, Christians, evangelical Christians are very divided on that issue. It is very divisive, yeah. But I mean, affording dignity, dignity is important, but tricky when you're actually executing someone. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I guess a better minds than uh, mine and perhaps yours would uh, settle this question with some form of dignity and, uh, of course, uh, you're not going to please everyone. So um, blessings to the Supreme Court as they tackle this contentious issue. Daniel Silliman is with us. He's the news editor at Christianity Today. So, Daniel, in your reporting, uh, in gleanings, you talk about an earthquake discovery, which I dig. I mean, uh, archaeologists and the shifting of the earth, this is a really wild story. Uh, bring us up to date on, on this story. It is, yeah. So um, for people who don't know, the print issue of Christianity Today, every month I round up about 10 international stories about Christians and, and evangelicals around the world and stuff of importance specifically to evangelicals. And I found this one this month that, that's kind of wild. It's a yeah. ground, ground-shaking discovery <laughs> in archaeology, we could say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so archaeologists digging in Jerusalem found... Um, essentially a collapsed building, and beneath the collapsed collapse building, they found smashed jars, bowls, lamps, showing that this, like, one level of the city roughly 2,800 years ago all collapsed, and then the, the city sort of 
grew up again over the rubble. But what's fascinating is when they looked at the the date of this disaster is it dates back to some biblical prophecies. So mm-hmm. both the prophets Amos and Zechariah <laughs> earthquake. Um, and it happened right about the same time that these archaeologists are saying this building collapsed. Really? So we now have material evidence that this earthquake wasn't, you know, a literary fiction or it wasn't something the prophets were making up to make a point. So it was an actual historical event that they were using to speak God's truth in that time. So that's so cool. So, uh, again, it goes back to people talking about, well, you know, oftentimes the Bible is viewed as a history book as well. I mean, uh, there's always discussion about that, but there clearly it is, right? Through the earthquake discovery, uh, you can pinpoint, and I'm sure, you know, archaeologists, it's always a mixed bag, right? They're not trying to drive home a Christian point that, you know, this is all about Christianity or, you know, New Testament or Old Testament, but there it is essentially in the shards of pottery. Absolutely. And yeah, and sometimes the archaeologists, the archaeology shows us that historical parts of the Bible are historical, and sometimes they show us that you know the complication of these texts and communication of God's truth is a complicated and 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 long process. But in this case, yeah, it's the Book of Amos said stuff got smashed, and they dug it up, and stuff stuff got smashed. If people want to look, the two verses that mention the the Earth, the historic earthquake is Amos 1-1, which describes um, an earthquake that happened when Uzziah was king of Judah, and Zechariah 14-15, which announces the coming of the day of the Lord. Very good. Excellent. Very cool good. Stuff. Daniel Silliman from Christianity Today. Uh, Daniel, uh, we're going from executions to earthquakes to uh, a headline that caught my attention as well. Uh, you, you talk about Pentecostals diversify leadership. Those three words are seldom together in a sentence. <laughs> That's that's interesting. I wonder if that's if that's uh, if that's true. The Assemblies of God, in particular, which is the largest historically white um, Pentecostal denomination, has in the last like fifteen years um, really really put up this uh, idea of an, what they call intentional inclusion. So pursuing diversity, trying to to not. Um, just put the same people in leadership over and over again. Not that those people weren't great, but but sometimes they're not able to reach um, everyone who needs to be reached with the gospel. And so they've been, you know, pushing more Hispanic leadership, pushing more African American leadership, um, Asian American leadership, and and women in leadership. And it's um, it's quite a lot of growth. They've actually grown by half a million members really? since 2005. And recently, so this year, what happens? That's that's you know, so that's the long history of the Assemblies of God, this white Pentecostal church that's becoming less white at the top. Um, but then this year, in their annual meeting, they made a recommendation that every uh, district, every presbytery, should reserve one seat for a person of color, one seat for a person under forty, so a younger person and one seat for a woman. Now, these people, of course, have to be qualified. They have to be called. Um, they're not you know, picking people off the streets. But it's saying we need to be kind of intentional about this and not just do what we've always done. Oh, to, I like that, yeah. To reach our world for Christ. Okay, good.
It's a new age, right? And uh, why would not it include the Christians as well as they look to leadership and uh, trying to engage people who have not been invited to the table before? Absolutely. Yeah, and we live, you know, we've, we saw the, the census come back this year. We saw that America's demographics are changing. And um, we, know, we know from the long history of evangelism that you have to go meet people where they are. Yep, sure do. Daniel Silliman from Christianity Today. Hey, Daniel, before you leave us, uh, talk to us for a second about reading evangelicals. Um, the book is out early October, yeah? Yeah, my book's coming out early October. Um, it's uh, it's exciting to see it in the world. It's a history of best-selling Christian fiction. So I looked at the the top five uh, uh, books that sold more than a million copies, and I traced the way that the that the Christian market changed, going from small bookstores to being sold in Walmart to being sold in line online, and how that how that matches up to a kind of shifting sense of what it means to be evangelical and um, different ways that that Christians have asked and answered this imaginative question, what does it mean to live out your faith in a world like today? That so is. I look at romance novels and The Shack, and it's a, it's a fun book. I hope people check it out. Reading Evangelicals. Uh, it's released on October 5. Very nice. Daniel, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, keeping your finger on the pulse of what's happening about the faith around the world and especially the work that you do with Christianity Today. Uh, always good to have you with us. Thanks, John. Talk to you later. Thank you. Daniel Sullivan, Reading Evangelicals, How Christian Fiction Shaped a Culture and a Faith. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-555-2085. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term providers help thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-555-2085. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-555-2085. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-555-2085. 800-555-2085. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers, and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Liberty. Nobody should have to pay for one-size-fits-all insurance coverage. Liberty Mutual customizes your car and home insurance, so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no 
interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement offer valid through 123121. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That is windowsruspittsburgh.com. Why doing it right, roofing, siding, and remodeling? As an Owens Corning Roofing Platinum Preferred Contractor, it's simple. It's in their name. They're doing it right, and it's what you'd expect as a homeowner and what they intend to deliver. Call 724-NEW-ROOF. Want it done right? Call doing it right. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, Lay the Word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Tonight will be mild with considerable clouds. We'll see a couple of showers this evening, followed by periods of rain and a thunderstorm late tonight, the low 65. Tomorrow, cloudy and breezy with a couple of showers of the morning, followed by periods of rain, some of which could be heavy. We'll also see a thunderstorm in the afternoon. Watch for flooding tomorrow, the high 74. A passing morning shower Thursday, otherwise mostly cloudy, breezy, high 62. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. So I see that the uh, the new Apple phone, the new generation came out. Is it Apple 13, I believe? Anyway, um, Apple has made a, a bit of um, a kerfuffle here um, recently because they're talking about uh, using your phone to catch child sex predators, which is a very good and noble thing to do. Now, the flip side of that is by, you know, looking for that, they want deeper access to your phone. They want to look at photos and things like that to see what, you know, what you're holding. There's a whole other story that uh, is involving lawyers and privacy issues and whatnot. Now, Apple has a really uh, vested interest in looking at your health. I saw something today that Apple's working on a phone to um, help detect depression and cognitive decline. Now check this out. Apple says that by using an array of sensor data that includes mobility, physical activity, sleep patterns, typing behavior, and more, researchers hope that they can tease out digital signals associated with target conditions so that algorithms can be created to detect them reliably. Isn't that wild? Okay, so we live in an era now where a lot of us are addicted to our phones, right? I think my phone probably is never more than a foot away. It's just that's just how it is, and I don't think I'm alone in that. Uh, you know, whether that's sinful or not, uh, yeah, that's all. It's another topic for another conversation. But the phone is with me. The phone is part of my life. So now, Apple, my addictive creator is now using tools or creating tools, biorhythm tools, that what, how often do I pick up my phone? And when I pick up my phone, how am I handling my phone? How am I typing into my phone? What am I looking at as I use my phone? And so they're saying that 
somewhere down the road, now, of course, this is in the early stages, what they're saying, somewhere down the road, they'll be able to look at how I pick up and use my device and judge whether or not I am depressed or in the early stages of cognitive decline. That's wild. And we always thought, of course, you know, uh, Big Brother was going to be coming from the government. Well, that's not true at all. We know that. I mean, say what you will, right? I mean, uh, cameras on street corners and whatnot. I mean, yeah, there is an element to that. But truly, Big Brother is from the corporate sphere. So they're hoping. Now, here's what I here's what I think about. So if if corporate America now has clues to your mental state or your declining cognitive state, then what will they do with that ability? Right? They deem you now as depressed or in some sort of early stages of dementia. What does that mean that they can do with you? Now, will they flag you in some way? Will your health insurance rates alter because of their knowledge of your depression or your failing cognitive decline? I mean, I'm sure that they're, you know, they, they would point this as that they would be sort of the, the, the white knight in all this, right? That um, somehow they would want to be a helpmate to your depression. That they would put you in, I don't, I don't know. This is just me conjecture in the early. I'm not quite sure of all this. So now, Big Brother is corporate America, and they can see now. Look, a few of us, I don't. Hopefully, none of us want to be engaged in looking at child pornography, and that, that's heinous. So am I willing to give up some parts of my privacy to combat that? And yes, 100%. Sign me up for that. Yes. There's a lot of different legal ramifications from that. But that's as deeply, deeply, deeply ugly, sick, heinous, the worst. So they want to have access to that? Go for it. I, I Yeah. But, of course, now... You know, you open Pandora's box, and all of a sudden, they're going to look at you and say, that guy's depressed, or that guy has cognitive decline, and we can do X because of that. I don't know. This is the age we live in. Hmm? Apple. We'll take a quick break. Come back. When we do come back, we're going to talk about um, banning books. Uh, People have been banning books since the ancient Chinese, the Greeks. I mean, since the age of the... The Gutenberg Press and all that. We'll talk about that next. The banning of books. It's coming up. The book banning week starts September 26th. Straight ahead on the ride home. WORD. When God delays the answer to prayer, it is because He's dealing with a national and corporate and individual sins that God is purifying His church, that God wants to prepare His church for great and mighty things, that God is working both judgment and righteousness for His bigger purpose. Make plans to join Dr. Michael Youssef this week on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. The nation of Haiti is in crisis. 
18 months of COVID-19 induced food shortages. An earthquake and tropical storms have pushed children and families to the brink of starvation. Sometimes when I don't have anything to give them, they'll cry and tell me they're hungry. And I have to tell them that I don't have anything. But you can make a difference. We are so blessed to live in the country that we live in. And if you're able to give anything, any small amount would help. Food for the Poor has stood with Haitian families for 35 years. And with your help, together we can help them through this difficult time by giving them what they need most, food. Your generous gift will allow Food for the Poor and our church partners to feed starving children and families. $150 gives enough food to feed 25 children for the next month. Please help answer their prayers and cries for help. Click the Red Help Haiti banner at wordfm.com or on your cell. Dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. Dial pound 250 and say, I want to give. Or click the Red Help Haiti banner at wordfm.com. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to health care. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So, yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. Hello, Word FM listeners. I'm Andrew Pawaski, General Sales Manager at Salem Media here in Pittsburgh. Looking to upgrade your career? Increase your annual earnings? At Salem Media, we sell advertising campaigns to local business owners using our radio stations and Salem Surround ads featuring over 50 social media and digital products. If you have more than two years of successful outside sales experience, proficient computer skills, and a drive to be the best, please go to salem.cc and look for Pittsburgh under the careers tab. Salem Media Pittsburgh is an equal opportunity employer. Coming up on Sunday, it is the uh, annual book banning week yeah I, I didn't even know such a thing existed i mean you i remember being in high school and the, the librarian would you know she made a big deal of pulling certain titles off the off the uh, shelves and, and you know okay I, I get that right some things are you know you go that, that is not for the general public or age appropriate but uh, book banning i mean it's been around the chinese did it uh, the emperor in china back in the hang dynasty uh, he burned all the books of the past even scholars to erase history uh, julius caesar he burned down the great library of alexandria uh, it came to america in the 1650s and of course it, I, I would say the great heyday of book banning was in the 70s but what what is book banning specifically about well, Thomas Spence is with us. Thomas is the president of Regnery Publishing in Washington, D.C. It is the country's leading conservative publishing house. Now, before coming to Regnery, uh, Thomas Spence ran Spence Publishing in Dallas. He published books on social, cultural, political, religious topics. A graduate of Dartmouth, he holds a master's degree in history from Harvard, a law degree from the University of Chicago. Here to talk to us today about a piece that he wrote in the Wall Street Journal, Banned Books Week isn't actually interested in banned books. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, John. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. Okay, so banning books. I mean, as a book publisher, you have a very deep vested interest in this. But um, 
the American Booksellers Association, you're saying essentially they're not really interested in banning books. A lot of this is a dog and pony show. Uh, that's a that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. So Banned Books Week is an annual promotion uh, that that you'll find in bookstores and public libraries, and it's it's sponsored by a number of uh, organizations, but primarily the American Library Association and the American Booksellers Association, which have very strong uh, leftward uh, tilts to them. And for thirty or forty years, Banned Books Week has uh, promoted books uh, under the title of, you know, or uh, they're calling banned, but have never have, are not banned in any meaningful sense. I, I use the word banned uh, for a book if it is somehow made unavailable to m- most people who want to get it. Okay. Right. right. Uh, so so when the Soviet Union says, you know, our people will not read the Gulag Archipelago. They have a way of, had a way of making that happen, right? You could not get that book. That book was banned. Um, banned Books Week is about books that have been challenged. That's the word they use in some way. And it's usually by uh, parents who think that a book with certain, you know, sexual or uh, you know, usually sexual content should not be in their child's kindergarten library, sure, something sure. like that. Um, and the books that are promoted in this uh, promotion every year, Banned Books Week, are you know not only not unavailable, but are typically bestsellers. So the whole thing is it's it's a gimmick, and there's there's a very strong element of hypocrisy to it. I, see. I wrote this piece in the Wall Street Journal because it, really in the past year we are starting to see the signs of real book banning in the United States. Okay, so Thomas, 40 mm-hmm. years ago, whenever this you know, first you know, took place, banned book mm-hmm. week, uh, the idea of you know, a gigantic bookseller like Amazon was just science fiction. Now, right. Amazon, <laughs> of course, they control the marketplace in book publishing. So if your book does not mm-hmm. appear in Amazon, uh, online at Amazon, the book essentially just disappears. That's right. That's right. I mean, yes, there are other places to get a book, but if you want to make a book unavailable to the general public, getting it off Amazon is the most efficient thing you can do. And that's what people are now trying to do. Not only uh, private organizations and private citizens, which is what happened to um, Ryan Anderson's book on uh, the how when Harry became Sally, a book about transgenderism. But now another thing I talked about in my op-ed piece was that Senator Elizabeth Warren, one of the most powerful politicians in the country, has uh, is putting direct pressure on Amazon to remove certain books that she thinks uh, that that don't toe the the line on uh, pandemic policy, COVID. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, to me, th- that's if you want to talk about book banning, th- that's that's book banning. And we really haven't had it in this country, uh, again, in any meaningful sense until really the past year or so. And when suddenly the, f- the woke forces on the left are, you know, they've taken off the gloves and they are trying to just remove certain books that they don't like. None of these books, the ones published by Regnery or others, are featured anywhere in Banned Books Week. You know, when you go to your local bookstore or public library, 
during Band Books Week, you won't see anything about uh, Abigail Schreier's Irreversible Damage or you know any of these other books that are really being banned. Right. Okay, so Abigail Shire, she's been a, a host, a guest on our show now for, I don't know, five or six times probably in the past few years. I mean, mm-hmm. her book her book is fascinating. Uh, Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. To me, that's a book about common sense. Uh, so I, I, have, I, I don't understand why someone would want to, but again, you know, the flavor of the hour is transgenderism. So any, any conversation about even questioning what transgenderism is all about, th- that would be uh, questionable among left-leaning people. So I wonder, mm-hmm. wh- what is it that someone like Elizabeth Warren, uh, as left-leaning as she is, what is her deal? I mean, wh- what is her impetus? What does she choose to gain from banning a book? Is there money lining someone's pockets that go, if you would step alongside us and you know uh, allow this to happen we would support your campaign deeper does it always just go back to the money trail uh i don't know what senator warren's uh you know motivation is money is a powerful motivation for everybody i would my guess in her case is it's power you know i live in washington dc and there are a lot of people here who are motivated by that (laughs) you know even more than money but but she wants to you know, as I don't need to tell you, the um, the pandemic was the occasion for uh, incredible exercises of government power yes. and government control over people's lives. And people have different views on you know how much of that was necessary, but but it's nevertheless that happened. And uh, she is going after people like Alex Berenson, who uh, have questioned the 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 public the governmental response to the pandemic and because pe- people like Elizabeth Warren have seen their power increased dramatically in the last couple of years. So you don't want, you don't want pesky authors uh, to question that. And if the uh, just happens that, that with the rise of Amazon now with the dominance domination of the book marketplace by one player like that, uh, it's a pretty efficient way to take care of it. it truly now, is. you know, there will this is all just starting. I don't I don't want to uh, falsely or wrongly impugn Amazon. They they've to my knowledge they've removed one book. That was Ryan Anderson's. But Abigail Schreier's book, which we published, uh, went through a lengthy and very high-level inquisition at Amazon. Uh, and in the end they they decided to keep it, but you know we certainly know what the threat is now. Without a doubt, mm-hmm. uh, if you just joined us, uh, we're talking about Banned Book Week. It starts on Sunday. Thomas Spence is with us, president of Regnery Publishing. Tom, uh, in your Wall Street Journal piece, you, you talk about the white box. Uh, <laughs> yeah, tell the story. It's fascinating. So the American Booksellers Association is a trade organization for independent bookstores, and they uh, have a program called the White Box Mailer, where every, I think it's every month or every two months, they will mail a box of uh, books to their 750 member bookstores with promotional copies of the book. So it's, it, and a publisher pays to have its books included in that month's mailing. So and it's, raises it's a awareness. small box. Yeah. So it's a way of, you know, just promoting your book yeah. to, to the book buyers there. Um, we sent, we, we paid to have uh, ab, the new paperback edition of Abigail Schreier's book, uh, Irreversible Damage, included in the white box mailing uh, 
this summer. The book, the, the boxes went out to the 750 members at a couple of stores. An employee opened them up, gasped in horror to find a book <laughs> yeah. that questioned the most extreme end of the transgender movement, right? Going after children, you know, operating on or chemically altering altering, uh, children. And uh, tweeted out, this is an outrage. I can't believe the ABA has done this to us. And the ABA responded within hours with uh, an apology to, a public apology to all their members for letting them see our book said that sending it to them was an act of violence and uh, and you know and in other ways defamed the book that that we had paid them to send out and by the way regnery publishing is also a member of the american booksellers association <laughs> you know we pay dues yeah. to be a, a member of that as do other publishers and so this this came uh as I said earlier, the ABA, the American Booksellers Association, is one of the main sponsors of Banned Books Week. So my my response to them was, uh, gee, this must be a promotion you're pulling off for Banned Books Week, because since we all know there really haven't been any banned books in America right. – You've decided to produce one, so yeah, so you had the yeah the ABA, the American Booksellers Association, apologizing for merely showing a particular title to its members to consider purchasing, of which you yourself are members. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a bizarre world we live in, Tom. I mean, Pretty bizarre, yeah. <laughs> it surely is. Okay, so listen, for uh, people uh, should know more about Regnery Publishing. Uh, mm-hmm. Clearly, you're online, yeah. We are. It's regnery.com, R-E-G-N-E-R-Y.com. And you can learn all about us and our books there. And there, our books are also available for the time being on Amazon <laughs> <laughs> and, at, and, and at your bookstore. So. Very nice. Thomas, you do excellent work. Keep it up. We need your voice in the marketplace. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate your, your letting me talk about this. The pleasure is ours. Thomas Spence, president of Regnery Publishing. Last Friday, he uh, produced a piece, wrote a piece at the Wall Street Journal called Banned Books. Banned Books Week isn't actually interested in banned books. Buy books. Read books. Surround yourself by thoughts and engage and don't be afraid of what's out there. Regnery Publishing. It's excellent. Where can you find a local manufacturer that still makes hand-built two-sided mattresses? Only here at the Original Mattress Factory. Two-sided mattresses can be flipped and rotated to improve their long-term comfort and durability so you can get a good night's sleep for years to come. But OMF is one of the only companies left who still make them because we believe you deserve the best. So we build our products to last. And most standard sizes are available for pickup seven days a week at our factory location. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. When you order a mattress from the Original Mattress Factory, it won't come shrink-wrapped and squeezed into a tiny box. It won't be dropped off on your front porch by your mailman either. That's because our mattresses are hand-built right here in your hometown. Using American-made steel inner springs, high-density specialty foams, cotton padding, and shock-absorbing box springs. You can't fit that kind of quality in a box. Shop online at OriginalMattress.com or stop by one of our stores to see the Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. This entertainment answer brought to you by Exergen. What is our Blu-ray pick of the week? 
It's Disney's Cruella. Who are you? You look vaguely familiar. Cruella. Disney has stepped up its live-action game with the new character-driven adventure, Cruella. I enjoyed the film immensely. Fans of classic Disney films will enjoy the characters, while those who have been dying for a more adult adventure, though still fine for teens, will get more than they can imagine. Cruella on Blu-ray and DVD. For more information, head over to theentertainmentanswer.com. Remember the kids' game, Telephone? The teacher would whisper in the first kid's ear, I have a purple giraffe named Lucy. And then each kid would whisper that to the next kid to see if the message could make it to the end. At the end, little Johnny would of course yell out, My paper airplane is storming your Barbie castle. It's Ryan. And the point I'm trying to make is, sometimes, middlemen can create problems. At United Faith Mortgage, an important thing about us is that we have a direct lender advantage. We are an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means... Our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. For you, this often allows us to get your loan done faster. And because we lend with our company's money, we can often get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money. We are United United Faith Faith Mortgage. Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Hello, Word FM listeners. I'm Andrew Pawaski, General Sales Manager at Salem Media here in Pittsburgh. Looking to upgrade your career? Increase your annual earnings? At Salem Media, we sell advertising campaigns to local business owners using our radio stations and Salem Surround assets featuring over 50 social media and digital products. If you have more than two years of successful outside sales experience, proficient computer skills, and a drive to be the best, please go to salem.cc and look for Pittsburgh under the careers tab. Salem Media Pittsburgh is an equal opportunity employer. Hey, uh, the weather's going to take a turn here, isn't it? It looks like fall is uh, at our doorstep. But listen, before things get like super frosty cold, we got plenty of time for that, I would highly recommend that you attend the uh, Faith and Family Night at the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. It's uh, this Saturday night. Listen, um... My uh, youngest son just loves soccer, loves soccer. So uh, last, I bet you we've been there four or five times down to uh, Highmark Stadium. It's easy, easy in, easy out. It's right on the river. And I'm telling you, the, the cool thing is if you've got family, uh, you've got kids yourself who, who are loving soccer, these are world-class soccer players. I mean, this is not like the minor leagues. This is high-end soccer. And uh, what my memories mostly are, my son and I standing next to each other, and we are like right on the fence, like standing like right right against the fence, and literally almost like within arm's length, we could almost reach out and touch these guys as the ball comes down. You know, they're like fighting in like in a scrim for that ball. You are like right on top of these guys. It's super cool. So it's a really nice. Uh, it's a great venue. Uh, it's coming up this Saturday. Faith and Family Night, Pittsburgh Riverhounds, wordfm.com forward slash riverhounds. I, I, I can't uh, recommend it enough. Uh, just a really fun, I think, fairly inexpensive night out. I would say that. Fairly inexpensive night out. Join us uh, this Saturday night. And, and on that same vein, I'm, I'm thrilled to announce that uh, Word FM's 15th annual Pastor Appreciation Luncheon is back. Holy smokes. I mean, we missed it last year, of course. Everybody did because we were all home. Or a lot. Oh, I could say a lot of us were. I was home. <laughs> I had a chipped ham sandwich and pickles for the pastor appreciation luncheon last year. Actually, it wasn't that bad. But it's back at the Double Tree by Hilton in Green Tree, October nineteenth. 
I look forward to it. A special guest speaker will be Jack Graham, who's, uh, you, you know that, uh, Pastor Graham, PowerPoint. Uh, special uh, musical guest, Vicki Truitt, as well. Uh, the event is free. Free for all area senior and associate pastors. And I love it. I mean, it's a, it's a great place to just go and hang out. You get to see friends that you haven't seen for a long time. Make new friends as well. So if you're a senior or an associate pastor, I would recommend that you go online, RSVP, awardfm.com forward slash pal. The 15th annual Pastor Appreciation Luncheon is back October 19th at the Doubletree by Hilton here in Green Tree. Hope to see you all there. We're going to step away for just a little minute and uh, do a little news update. Take a look at some weather. We're going to talk about um, back to church. Let's all get back to church, please. Masks or not. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, tune in, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Biden has met with Australia's prime minister. That follows last week's security announcement that angered France. As part of a new alliance with Britain and the U.S., Australia canceled a multi-billion dollar submarine deal with France. On the sidelines of the U.N. General Assembly, President Biden met with Australia's Scott Morrison. Both leaders spoke about their efforts in the Indo-Pacific region, but they ignored reporters' questions about the diplomatic blow-up with France. What else correspondent Greg Cluxton? The Commerce Department reporting U.S. home construction rebounded 3.9 percent in August. That comes after a July decline with the strength coming in apartment construction. The August increase left home construction at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.62 million units, 17.4 percent above the pace of a year ago. The Dow up 74 points and the Nasdaq ahead 97. This is SRN News. Pumpkins, 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 and more pumpkins. Pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm. Pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack and pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of course, we have great eats inside, too, with lots of pumpkin creations. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family-friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4-H hog roast with all the fixins. Plan to spend a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. As you know, Mike Lindell has a passion to help everybody get the best sleep of their lives, and he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night that you sleep on the Giza sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors, and Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. For a limited time, you receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets, you receive a set for as low as $49.99. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use promo code WORD. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but 
but also deep discounts on MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress stopper and much more. Call 1-800-391-0954. Use the promo code WORD. 1-800-391-0954. Promo code WORD. When it comes to your child's education, consistency is key. And in a world that's been anything but, parents have found an unshakable educational partner in Eden Christian Academy where students experience an engaging, rock-solid Christian education at each of their three North Hills campuses, enabling them to thrive academically, spiritually, and socially. Take a tour during Admissions Week, now through Friday, and see what a consistent, quality pre-K through 12th grade education can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. McQueen Building Company. It's about our people, but it's what others say about us that we really want you to hear. It was a pleasure working with McQueen. Everything we agreed on in the contract was done and done to my satisfaction. I'll certainly have them for any future projects and have recommended them to friends. Jeff works hard, is committed to success, and willing to go above and beyond in his zeal for the best outcome. I highly recommend Jeff, his work ethic, and his commitment to excellence. McQueen Building Company. See our work for yourself at McQueenBuildingCompany.com. Tonight will be mild with considerable clouds. We'll see a couple of showers this evening, followed by periods of rain and a thunderstorm late tonight, the low 65. Tomorrow, cloudy and breezy with a couple of showers of the morning, followed by periods of rain, some of which could be heavy. We'll also see a thunderstorm in the afternoon. Watch for flooding tomorrow, the high 74. A passing morning shower Thursday, otherwise mostly cloudy, breezy, high 62. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. All right. So, you know, the, indignities, the indignities that you do to yourself, right? During the break, I ran out and got myself a glass of water. And you, know, you know when you do this? I got my sleeve wet. and Then your sleeve is wet against your wrist. It's a minor annoyance, I know, but you know, you just think, what do I do to, what, what do you do to yourself? <laughs> okay, I, I talked about this a little bit during the four o'clock hour, and you know, of course, it's not a pick me up subject, but okay, I'm going to talk about this once more uh, with a deeper question, and then I'll just let it go because I've been suffering through this, and I, I, why wouldn't I not drag you into my suffering as well? Okay, so when it comes to our relationship with our pets, because we not only take them into our homes. We welcome them deep within our hearts. Okay, so I've been talking about this dog of mine, Gus, who is 15-plus years old. He died on Labor Day. So we become so attached to our our dogs and our cats that we yearn to be with them throughout eternity. I've been thinking about this. You know, when I'm in heaven, am I going to see Gus? I mean, C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis, he of him, that great mind, speculated on the eternal fate of animals in the problem of pain, suggesting that at least that tame animals might enter heaven through their relationships with humans in the same way that humans do through, do so through their relationship with Christ. That's C.S. Lewis. But I worry that the question of pets in heaven could distort our understanding of our eternal life as described in Scripture and in Christian tradition. I mean, I'd like this to happen. If we're not careful, though, I believe that we could cross a line into sentimentality, of which (laughs) I'm deep into the sentimental yearnings for my dog, that shrinks our 
Christian theological expectation that our human idea of heaven might be walking an adored dog in the forest, but there is no indication that it's anything like God's plan. And the question of whether our pets go to heaven require an examination of the nature of animals, of heaven, of God, that animals have their lives in God. In Psalm 104, we read that animals look to God for their food and that when he withdraws his spirit, they return to the dust. God marks the droppings of every sparrow. But John 3.16 makes no mention of animals. Only humans are made in the divine likeness. Unlike animals, we are moral agents, that we are capable of sinning by commission and omission. And so that makes ours a completely different nature of being than said animals. So God's love is unconditional and eternal. And so when we witness the very face of God and we participate through constant worship in his essence, which we are told is the never-ending activity of heaven, then it will at the very least include all that we yearn for when we desire to be with our pets forever. You believe that? I guess the deeper question, well, it's another question, maybe not deeper. Do pets have souls? Do they go to heaven? God knows. But for now, we see through a glass darkly. And instead of speculating or making strained proof text, I think instead what I've been trying to do <laughs> is to give thanks to God for the great gift of joy that he has given us in our pets. I mean, the Bible teaches us that God does save animals. For example, God brought Noah two of each kind of living creature in order to save them from the flood, of the flood, right? I mean, God chastised reluctant Jonah about the need to save not only the human inhabitants of Nineveh, but also its many animals. Such salvation is not, of course, quite the kind invented by the altar call. Even so, I believe it should not be overlooked. I believe that. I mean, God made a covenant with one of his chosen ones. He often marked it by assigning them a particular name. Yes, Abraham, Sarah, Israel, Jesus, Paul. God told Adam to name the animals and in so doing reflected God's name of naming. So when we choose to take into our household creatures that share with us the breath of life and bestow them with names, my dog Gus, perhaps then we enter into a kind of covenantial relationship with him too. Uh, To echo, again, C.S. Lewis in The Great Divorce, perhaps when we name animals, they become themselves and our salvation flows over into them. I would like to think that that's true. So, I have to come back to what the Bible does and does not say on that possibility. Because we know that death of any kind was not part of God's plan. Not his original plan. And that animals will certainly be part of the new heaven and earth. That's my hope. Because where death and tears will be no more, there will be God. Now, what we don't know is whether there will be specific animals like from the old creation, including those those animals, my gas, like we've known and loved. I want to believe, and I bet if you've loved a dog or a cat or a fish or a bird 
or whatever. Some people like snakes. I don't know. Will they be in heaven? I think in the meantime, though, it seems okay to ask God if his grace might extend that far. That while doing our best to trust that heaven won't seem anything but complete, regardless if those guys, the cats and the dogs, the birds and the fish, those pets that we loved, maybe even the reptiles, that they themselves will be in heaven with us one day. It's just a thought. What do you think? Stick around. In just a few minutes from uh, Geneva College, Rutledge Etheridge is with us talking about rebuilding the temple. That's going to be a very interesting conversation. Hope that you stay with us. The Ride Home. 101.5 WORD. I'm Alan Jackson, and I have the privilege of joining you each day to open the Word of God and ask for His input. And I'm convinced the challenges we face in today's world are more spiritual than they are political or economic. Exploring God's Word together is refreshing. It equips us for everything that comes our way. Join me, and let's see what God has in store for us today. A fresh look at Scripture. Weekday mornings at 9.30. Alan Jackson Ministries on 101.5 WORD. When it comes to higher education, it's worth considering a Christian university or college, one that reaffirms students' faith instead of tearing it down. Research shows that students who attend a Christian college can become significantly more committed to their faith, and that's an important investment to make. You care about the type of people who are teaching the classes and about the content of the courses just as much as you do about the strength of the academics. It matters that Christian faith is supported and shared. Find out about many schools at once by attending the free Christian College Fair with representatives of colleges and universities from across North America. Start planning now. Take advantage of the opportunity to meet with representatives from top Christian colleges throughout the country. Learn about financial aid, scholarship opportunities, and more. Take your first step to a Christian college education at Orchard Hill Church in Wexford, Saturday, September 25th from 11 to 1. That's the Pittsburgh Christian College Fair, Saturday, September 25th at Orchard Hill Church in Wexford from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Where can you find a local manufacturer that still makes hand-built two-sided mattresses? Only here at the Original Mattress Factory. Two-sided mattresses can be flipped and rotated to improve their long-term comfort and durability so you can get a good night's sleep for years to come. But OMF is one of the only companies left who still make them because we believe you deserve the best. So we build our products to last. And most standard sizes are available for pickup seven days a week at our factory location. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. When you order a mattress from the Original Mattress Factory, it won't come shrink-wrapped and squeezed into a tiny box. It won't be dropped off on your front porch by your mailman either. That's because our mattresses are hand-built right here in your hometown. Using American-made steel inner springs, high-density specialty foams, cotton padding, and shock-absorbing box springs. You can't fit that kind of quality in a box. Shop online at OriginalMattress.com or stop by one of our stores to see the Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. With today's technology, anyone can take a video. But getting it ready for prime time, that's something many churches aren't equipped to handle. Here at Salem Video, we offer churches everything they need to go from rough cut to picture lock. With your raw footage, we can produce great-looking videos for your social media, podcast, website, and even live service element. From text animation, visual effects, transitions, logos, music, and more, here's where we put it all together. What can Salem Video do for you? Ask GM Brad Marshall at 412-503-4770. 
Geneva College, Rutledge Etheridge is back with us. Rut is the author of God Breathed, Connecting Through Scripture to God, Others, the Natural World, and Yourself. Hey, Rut, welcome back. How you doing? Oops, sorry there. I guess I should press a button. Hey, Rut, are you there? Yep, I'm still here. Oh, there you go. Hey, thanks. Thanks for coming along today, Rut. Uh, you know, in preparation for you to join us on the air today, you, you, you want to talk about rebuilding the temple, but it's not the way we would think about rebuilding the temple. Go into this, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the um, one of the most hauntingly beautiful passages I, I think in Scripture has really come to mind a lot lately, and that's in Ezra chapter three, when the people of God were. You know, they'd been back in the land, and the foundation for the new temple, you know, after the old one obviously had been destroyed, um, the foundation for the new temple had been laid. And in Ezra 3, the Holy Spirit decides to record a complexity of emotions that were being expressed by the people. Uh, some of them, the younger among them, were rejoicing. This was a major step forward, and God's bringing people back to the land, yeah. back to centralized worship, back to their sense of identity as a people. And yet others, the older men in particular, actually wept aloud because they were thinking of the first temple. And everyone was amped. The noise was loud. No one was keeping their emotions to themselves to the point where others who heard it from a distance couldn't tell what was going on. Is, is this a funeral? Is this a celebration? And it got me to thinking about, you know, this past year as we've gotten a little bit back into normalcy, if there's even such a thing. You know, some of us are, are dealing with new situations, old situations. And what I really thought about was the strained relationships, you know, that have, have been the casualties of this past year and a half or so. And if we are the temple as God's people, we've taken a major hit. Yeah. And what can we do now in efforts to, to rebuild, restore, even resurrect relationships uh, that once shines so beautifully, uh, the light of Christ within them. Right. I'm so glad you you brought this up because this took me by surprise. And I think, you know, it took a lot of people by surprise that, you know, we were separated from each other for so long and in the midst of, you know, social, economic, political turmoil, all of us, you know, dug down into our particular camps or ideologies or thoughts. And whether we knew it or not, we drew lines against each other, and I think a lot of people yeah. are just not willing to cross over those lines because it's become some sort of hard-nosed us against them now. And these are people that, you know, we would call brothers and sisters in Christ, that we've loved mm -hmm. each other, we've traveled on a journey together, and all of a sudden we're looking at each other across the fence and going, I'm done with those guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a very fear-inducing kind of time, and, you know, there's the fight or, or the flight instinct, and, you know, there's also the instinct where you have the choice between entrenchment or retrenchment and empathy. You know, if we believe that God is not only in control, but good, we know that he's working out something through the situation. We know that our belonging to Christ can never be shaken. We know that we belong to a kingdom that can never be shaken, whatever happens to other empires or, or nations that we love and, 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 and want to serve as, as faithful citizens. And so when we're afraid, we can sometimes tribalize. As you mentioned, we can retrench. We, instead of going toward empathy and using this as an opportunity to say, wow, I've never been without this particular convenience, or I've never been without this life and death sustenance, and all of a sudden it's threatened other people have lived like that their entire lives, and now I'm starting to get a glimpse into it. 
So how can I reach out? How can I open up? How can I begin to expand my understanding rather than doubling down in the opposite direction and, and just clenching hard and circling the wagons and, and getting ready for, and in many ways, um, sto- you know, stoking the fire. Um, for the fight. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm with you 100% on that rut. I think probably for the problem for a lot of people, though, is, and I, I'm sure you've maybe experienced this in some ways, you know, where you worship, the church attendance is down, right? So yeah. some people, yeah. uh, they have chosen to church shop or they no longer are attending, you know, uh, their regular congregation. And so those relationships, you think, I mean, I, uh, case in point, I got a buddy. Um, he's not showing up. I haven't seen him for a year. Mm-hmm. I, I text him. Yeah. I ran into him once, and we were happy to see each other. We shook hands. We hugged. We talked to each other's kids. But, you know, um, it hasn't moved beyond that. It, it's like yeah. it, it, we're at a draw with each other. And I, I, I believe at its heart it's become political. And Mm -hmm. so I think for me, I guess the first conversation I have with my buddy, I don't want it to be political. It's more than I just want to say, hey, man, I miss you. You know, I love you. I know who you are. I know who your wife and kids are. And uh, we had many good times together. So why don't you come back? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously it's that follow up, that second part that could create the awkwardness there. Um, you know, one of the things that I think has happened over the last year and a half or so is so many idols have been exposed. You know, that's certainly the case for me. Um, and what these pressurized situations tend to reveal are not new things within our hearts, but things that have already been there, things that have been simmering beneath the surface and now have been brought out sometimes on spectacular display for everyone to see. And so one of the things that we can thank God for, as painful as it is, is the exposition of our idols, the fact that light has been shined on them and now they're out. And so the question becomes, what are we going to do? You know, so much of the reason why the Israelites were in exile was because of their rampant and repetitive idolatry. Well, now they're back in the promised land and Ezra, the foundation has been laid. What are we going to do now? And so I, I think those I love you kinds of comments. Those I love you unconditionally kinds of comments are are so important. And, and, you know, maybe making time simply for conversations that only reestablish that fact. And when trust is built up enough to visit the issues that are now points of awkwardness, if not isolation. Again, I, I keep thinking back on Ezra. You know, it's, it's right to weep over what was lost. It, it's right to weep over that strangeness that we feel with this person when once we didn't have a, hes- a second hesitation to go up and embrace and talk. So we can we can weep over what was, but the question becomes for us now, what should we do at such a time as this? And my pursuit of this particular person in this strained relationship, it's really more about the glory of Christ, the Prince of Peace, than it is about the restoration of this particular relationship and and may God bless such that the glory of Christ is seen in efforts toward that restoration, whether we end up on other sides of the aisle politically or maybe even a different church family, you know, the, the essential unity of Christ's church, um, regardless of circumstances, I think is, is what we need to pursue, you know, now that the temple has taken such a hit. All right. That's good. That's a good word, Rut. Now, I'm 100% on this. I mean, I, I, 
I would love to be in communion with my brothers and sisters, you know, who we've separated from. Uh, and I wonder mm-hmm. on this, you know, you know, I, I think this is true from uh, at least outside the worship experience for people who don't worship regularly and especially people yeah. who would not call themselves Christians. I think people tend to think of the church and, and I believe this is a wrong assessment that the church somehow the worship experience is a hotbed of political expression. And, yeah. and, and to be honest, uh, this is true for me. I mean, I have never, never once in all my life. And now I, I don't think, and I don't think that I'm the, ma- I don't think that I'm the majority here that I have been to a church service that has ever in, engaged in political conversation. I believe that mm-hmm. when I show up to, to worship, that's what it is. It's a worship yeah. experience. Yeah. And I think it's probably the rare church or a tiny minority of churches that politics does come up on a regular basis. So I, I wonder if there's a possibility that the church with the capital C you know, despite mm-hmm. denominational differences and all that, that there would be an opportunity for us as brothers and sisters in Christ and the body of Christ, the church body, that we would gather together in worship alone and mm-hmm. sans politics. I mean, is that even a possibility yeah. Yeah. to be that the greater body of Christ that we would gather together first and foremost? You know, I think that's one of the the great reasons, you know, to work toward that goal. Uh, one of the the great motivations or, or an impetus toward working toward that goal is to listen to the people who maybe are, are rejecting church now, not necessarily because, well, I found out how great it was to not be here, you know, just for the sake of convenience. But are there deeper divides? Are there deeper issues that have come up Um you know, one of the things that those who don't share our faith can be very insightful about is what we look like to them. And I think sometimes what we look like to them is that political machine with Jesus stamped on it, and, and they want no part of it. Um, you know, I've, I've had the unfortunate opposite experience in certain uh, scenarios where the politics come out in the preaching, you know, or, or every Sunday school is about this political issue or that political issue. and. Yeah, yeah over and over and over again. And so we kind of wear it on our sleeves almost more than we did, which tends to suggest, um, you know, to your point, that we have fused our political loyalties with our Christian identity. And there are those unbelievers who are discerning enough to say, you know what, Jesus is neither Republican nor Democrat and not even a libertarian. Um, You claim to worship a transcendent Jesus who is king and yet when I show up to your worship service, I'm hearing a lot more about party lines and then who the bad guys are. Um, so I think it's an opportunity for us to take stock and once again to to thank God for the painful experience of idle exposition. And some of that comes by way of, well, why don't you go to my church? You know, I love this place. You know, what is it? And maybe it is something superficial, uh, but maybe it's something going on a little bit deeper that because we love the church so much and our, our local church is so much we just haven't seen. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, I, I just believe it's just a matter of surrender. I mean, if, if, <laughs> if we can't surrender now to, to the yeah. Lord of the universe, then, then when are we ever yeah. going to do it? I mean, things are so ramped up. People are so upset. People are so political. People are so, you know, uh, worried about the vaccine and the mask. And I need to surrender to the Lord of the universe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
that's everything. I mean, that's why you would call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ. So I surrender to to Christ first, and everything else is secondary. That's right. You know, the the believers I look up to most, and and I'm thinking of one who's actually with the Lord now. He was a missionary in East Africa for a lot of years. He was my pastor for a couple of years before the Lord took him home um, because he contracted ALS, and it was just such a brave fight until the very end. You know, I, I look at it, it was one of studied simplicity. Jesus is Lord. He has risen from the dead. Here we go. Nothing else in life (laughs) amounted to that level. Everything else was negotiable. Uh, Everything else needed to be seen in light of, as Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And based on that pursuit, you know, then we can slice and dice and move in and among the various circumstances but to, again, to your point, that that has to be our, our loyalty. It gets confusing because sometimes we think that's our loyalty, yeah. but that's where we need to listen to others and, and see, you know, maybe that loyalty is not as pure as we thought, but but amen. You know, Christ is all um, of him, by him, through him, to him be the glory. And, and may that be our motivation as the body of Christ as we reach out for one another once again. Yes, I mean, and I truly do believe uh, you know, that as we first came to Christ, none of us would say, Christ is Lord, but, I mean, mm. I, I don't think there's that bridge there. I mean, it's it's Christ is Lord. There's no but there. We don't move forward from that. That's all. <laughs> Rod, I, I appreciate you being here with this. I mean, it's very complex, and I know what we're saying. Uh, this yeah. is, what I'm saying is this is not an easy solution. Oh, we should just all do this. Right. I mean, uh, right. Uh, just get on with it. Uh, it's just much more complex for that. For, uh, but, boy. It's certainly a heartbreaker. It really is. Right before you leave us, uh, Rutledge Etheridge joins us from Geneva College. Talk to us about Geneva. Uh, How are things on campus? I mean, you know, uh, people are going back, right? And it's a really good thing. So uh, how are you guys doing? How are you surviving? Yeah, it it is a good thing. We're we're so glad to be back. You know, we are are dealing, thank the Lord, with a relatively normal uh, number of COVID cases on campus. and. We've got the quarantining system set up and all those kinds of things yeah. that our, our wonderful folks in student development are always working on. But we're here, you know, we're together, and, and we really praise God for that. I'm into that. Are you, are you working on anything, Rhett? I You know, as an author, you've always got things percolating. Uh, what are you writing about? Yeah, most of my writing right now is as a student. I'm working on uh, doctoral studies through um, Westminster Seminary in, in Philadelphia. Fabulous. And uh, so I'm trying to channel my writing interest into my academic interest and vice versa. <laughs> so I have an excuse to be doing both at once. <laughs> That's very smart of you, Rod. Very good. I hey, hope so. <laughs> always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, John. Great to talk to you again. You as well. Rutledge Etheridge, who is um, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at Geneva College, author of God Breathed, Connecting Through Scripture to God, Others, the Natural World, and Yourself. He blogs at Gentle Reformation. Rutledge Etheridge. Cleanliness and safety are essential to the success of any business. That's why Cintas has introduced our Total Clean program, a one-of-a-kind service that includes scheduled deliveries of essential cleaning supplies, hygienically cleaned uniforms, and on-site sanitizer and disinfectant services to help eliminate germs. Learn what the Cintas Total Clean program can do for you. Oh, I'm ready! Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. 
This is Pastor Tom Hall of First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh. Maybe you've missed church because of the pandemic. Maybe it's been years since you've come, or maybe you've never darkened a church door. But maybe it's time to discover God's love, God's truth, God's purpose for your life. Join us at First Presbyterian Church, 326th Avenue, downtown Pittsburgh, Sunday mornings at 1045 or online at fpcp.org. You are welcome here. When it comes to our business, I've got a couple pet peeves. One is how difficult it is to keep the paper towel dispensers full in our bathrooms. Impossible. My second pet peeve is the number of solicitors we get asking us to advertise. TV, billboards, social media, newspaper, little papers, big mailers, mini mailers. A forever nightmare. It's Ryan. And a bunch of years back, our Faith and Family Mortgage Team made a decision to only advertise on Christian radio. Our faith is a big deal to us, and so we figured it was a good place to start. And we haven't changed since. And here's the point. We're all in here on Word FM. We chose this station for a reason. We love this station. And if you choose to call, I think you'll find a team on the other end that wants to serve you specifically. Now, if I can just figure out the paper towel thing. We... Our United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. I'm number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License Number 22672. Why doing it right? Roofing, siding, and remodeling? As an Owens Corning Roofing Platinum Preferred Contractor, it's simple. It's in their name. They're doing it right, and it's what you'd expect as a homeowner and what they intend to deliver. Call 724-NEW-ROOF. Want it done right? Call doing it right. With today's technology, anyone can take a video, but getting it ready for prime time, that's something many churches aren't equipped to handle. Here at Salem Video, we offer churches everything they need to go from rough cut to picture lock. With your raw footage, we can produce great-looking videos for your social media, podcast, website, and even live service element. From text animation, visual effects, transitions, logos, music, and more, here's where we put it all together. What can Salem Video do for you? Ask GM Brad Marshall at 412-503-4770. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight will be mild with considerable clouds. We'll see a couple of showers this evening, followed by periods of rain and a thunderstorm late tonight, the low 65. Tomorrow, cloudy and breezy with a couple of showers of the morning, followed by periods of rain, some of which could be heavy. We'll also see a thunderstorm in the afternoon. Watch for flooding tomorrow, the high 74. A passing morning shower Thursday, otherwise mostly cloudy, breezy, high 62. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. I was uh, on vacation and stopped in to see my brother lives down in Chesapeake, Virginia. And um, one of his um, his grandsons showed up. And uh, he's in fifth grade, Ian. And he was all excited. You know, I hadn't seen him, for, <laughs> seen him for a few months. He was super excited because he was telling me that he was in the bathroom that day. And he's in fifth grade. And one of the kids came in with his phone and ripped the towel dispenser off the wall uh, so he could put it on TikTok. And I was like, what? What are you telling me? Um, he thought it was, you know, great humor. And so the family got involved in this conversation about vandalism and social media responsibility. It was, you know, it was actually kind of a good conversation. But I, I, I kind of forgot about it until I came back and saw the, the paper today that this 
apparently this social media trend, a national media trend to plunder school restrooms has made its way to Western Pennsylvania. Have you heard about this? It's have you, it's called Devious Licks, the TikTok challenge. Have you heard? Chris, I have not heard it. Well, apparently it's a thing. It dares kids to vandalize schools. In most cases, my nephew's fifth grade bathroom, nab items such as soap dispensers, toilet paper rolls, show pieces to then post on social media. Damage has ranged from thefts of masks, microscopes, fire extinguishers, water fountains, and bathroom stall doors all across the country. I mean... My nephew's in fifth grade. You know, fifth grade, first of all, we were afraid of the nuns, so we, we would never have done anything like that. But, you know, I remember being in high school, and, you know, the guys would smoke. In the, that was the extent of, right? I mean, guys would go in and you know, grab a few puffs of a cigarette, and that would be, like, the extent of it. Now they're, like, tearing the place apart. And they post it on TikTok, and people are, like, going, ha, yee-haw. I mean, <laughs> what the heck? Listen, if it happens that oh you know down here at uh, Seven Parkway Center to go to the bathrooms, you got to put the code in, right? <laughs> okay, this happened. This happened. Boy, this happened a long time ago. Um, for years, U.S. Air, U.S. Airways, they their call center was in this building, and as the airline, unfortunately, it broke my heart. If anybody was connected to U.S. Airways, I mean they were. A big employer here in Western Pennsylvania for many, many decades. As they devolved out of Pittsburgh, the people at the call center took their frustrations out on the bathrooms. Though this is pre TikTok, of course. I mean, this is ancient history. This is pre social media, even. And they would trash the bathrooms and they were on a different floor. So, building management here at Seven Parkway Center said, Oh, from now on, you got to know the code. So now when you – it's fine. We know the code. What breaks your heart is people coming in, like who are guests on the show, and they go, I have to use the restroom. And I tried to go in, and it's locked. Please tell me how to get in. And then you got to tell them the <laughs> What? What freshness. Oh, my goodness gracious. Heaven help us all. Now they're crushing bathrooms in the fifth grade, and everyone thinks it's a big deal. Hey, uh, that's funny stuff. <laughs> Here I am, like an old man, shaking my fist at clouds. But I pay school taxes. I pay for those. You dang kids, don't be destroying bathrooms, whether at the school district or here. If you come into Seven Parkway Center, Kenny Woods is going to get you. I guarantee you. All right, we'll take a quick break, come back. Thinking about whether people will come back to church, that conversation, we'll engage in that next. Stick around. Word FM, W-O-R-D. There are tough times ahead for planet Earth. And this week on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us explore the turmoil of the Great Tribulation. But we'll see the bright light of God's love for His children shines through. Discover the good news amidst the bad. This week on A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. 
A New Beginning with Greg Laurie. Weekday mornings at 1030 on WORD. Did you know that Big Lou can vaccinate your entire estate from the virus known as Uncle Sam? That's right. Big Lou and Term Provider have the only single-dose solution in town, a $1 million term life insurance policy. Yep, a $1 million term life insurance policy with no side effects. One call to Big Lou can lead to an entire estate vaccination that will provide 100% guaranteed protection against estate taxes and debt, even if you are a bit porky or have a splash of sugar diabetes. In fact, a 50-year-old male may qualify for half a million dollars of coverage for less than 100 bucks per month. A million for less than 200 per month. Call Big Lou at Term Provider to get the service and price you deserve with zero side effects. Call 800-555-2085 right now. 800-555-2085. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He follows the science too. Call 800-555-2085 or visit BigLou.com. Big Lou doesn't give tax advice. By now, you've all heard me talk about my pillow, and now Mike has done it again by introducing his new My Slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop these fabulous slippers. They're designed to wear indoor or outdoor all day long. Made with My Pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, and they're made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 50% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable, you want to get some for the whole family. Go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use promo code WORD. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD. That's 800-391-0954. Check it out online. MyPillow.com for the brand new MySlippers, offering 50% off now. To serve as a ruling elder is a high and holy office. RPTS now offers five flexible online courses to help you shepherd the Church of God. The Ruling Elders Program features courses on biblical counseling, interpretation, worship, the church, care and administration, plus preaching at elective options that best fit your ministry paradigm. No papers, no exams, just solid biblical teaching from experienced pastor professors. Individual and group rates available. RPTS, study under pastors. Learn more at rpts.edu. All right, uh, during the pandemic, like a lot of churches, right, we shut down for a while. That's just how it was. Our church, the church that I attend. And then we reopened with, you know, the, the mask mandate. All right, fine. I'll, I'll, I was happy to be back in church because I, I did not like Zoom church. So then we, we, wore, we wore masks for a while. And then, yay, fabulous. One day they were like, okay, um, we can now worship in person without the masks. And then that was short-lived. And now we're back to wearing masks again. So a buddy of mine, whom I, I love, he said, I'm done. Uh, you know, I, I, I show up on Sunday morning. I, I, I pass 50 churches along the way where they're not wearing masks. And I get it. I mean, I, you know, so he's like, I'll come back later. I hope I see him again. But I believe that that's just a microcosm of what's happening across this country, across all of Christendom, right? A church attendance for various and sundry reasons, is down tremendously. I mean, in some places they're saying 25 to 50 percent. 25 to 50 percent. I mean, you know, it, 
put that on top of what's happened before the pandemic, where people are just were stopping to attend church for any number of reasons. And now, I mean, what a major hit. Well, Pastor George Sinclair is with us. He wrote a terrific piece at the Gospel Coalition that uh, caught my eye. Pastor Sinclair is the pastor of the Rector of Church of the Messiah in the heart of urban Ottawa. Uh, the Rector of Church of the Messiah uh, in the heart of, uh, heart of urban Ottawa. Pastor is also uh, the chair of Dig and Delve Servant Leadership Team, which puts on a yearly apologetics conference in Ottawa. He also speaks regularly on Parliament Hill to the Parliament Hill Christian Fellowship. Here today to talk to us about a piece that he wrote called Thinking About Whether People Will Come Back to Church. Pastor George, welcome. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. So, Pastor, talk to us about your church. Um, Does it mirror in some ways what's happened at my church? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Canada is vastly more politically correct uh, than the United States. <laughs> <laughs> so it might even be worse. Really? Um, you know, if I don't know how old you are because it's radio, so I can't see you. Oh, I'm but, old. Um, <laughs> if you're old, you remember the worship wars uh, yeah. about music. Yes, of course. And in some ways, there's there's new worship wars, and it's around masks and government protocols, and it's mixed in with people's strong political passions, and uh, that's definitely going on here in Ottawa. Um, People think we should have very defiant stands towards the government. Uh, Others, definitely the opposite end of the spectrum. And it's caused a lot of division, uh, a lot of fights uh, in in churches and between churches. Okay, well, it's good to know then it's not just the United States, right? It's our our neighbors in Canada as well, who we always thought were, you know, a little more... um, a little more well-meaning in some ways, a little more um, refined? Uh, well, probably more like sheep. Uh, oh. You folks all seem a little bit like barnyard dogs <laughs> from a distance sometimes. <laughs> Touche. Touche, George. <laughs> so it's a human problem, right? Yes, uh, Trying to keep straight what's the gospel, what's politics, you know, what's essential, what's not. Yes. Um, so it's definitely been a problem here in Ottawa in my own congregation. Uh, you know, you have people who are very, very divided over the over the, the issues, especially as the government policies keep changing, um, you know, from month to month, and you're having to adapt. Yeah. Okay. So then, Pastor, you've obviously thought about it, prayed about it for a long time. And so the piece that you wrote at the Gospel Coalition, thinking about whether people will come back to church, I loved it because you gave a very strong biblical stance and you took pieces of scripture and then you amplified those in many ways to talk about where we are. So would you take a a piece or two of scripture that resonate with you and, and guide us through this? Yeah, so the beginning came from, um, you know, because ministers talk about this, and, uh, you know, who's going to come back, who's not, is God purifying his church, etc. Then, But uh, indirectly, a minister friend shared how somebody said the real issue is where the church is standing right now and where we stand when it's over. And that really resonated with me in terms of what we've been trying to do. And so, you know, the very first text, so I, I thought of, I'll think of just, five, you know, I was trying, going to try to think of four or five texts. Uh, you have to limit it. And I, I thought about them, and I put them in a bit of an order. And the first one, of course, is the Great Commission. And um, it really just has to be the heart of a, of a church that loves Jesus and loves the gospel. And, you know, from reflecting on that, uh, you know, what does it profit a person to have the right view on vaccines or closures or masks but lose their soul? And, um, you know, at the same time, though, in all of this discussion, I, I regularly struggle with, 
too often the gospel has been used to uh, silence churches from speaking into real cultural evil. I, you know, you think it's hard not to think of the confessing church in Nazi Germany, the churches that were silent. Yes, yes. And then, you know, in my cases, I, I tend to think of, you know, apartheid and churches that were silent about that yes. or slaveholding churches. So, you know, on one hand, you don't want to have the gospel just, you think, I'm just going to preach the gospel, so I'm not going to mention any of these other types of things. But God, it doesn't seem right that the gospel would be make you silent on every issue, no matter how evil. On the other hand, it's very easy in our flesh to try to just keep getting, adding more and more things to those political issues. Um, some of my, when I speak at Parliament Hill, you know, I, I, one of the things I try to tell people is, I said, the Bible doesn't have a view on what, the, what level the capital gains tax should be. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, now, you all in the room might have very strong opinions on that. But I defy you to find a Bible text that tells you it. <laughs> right. But the people will, won't they? People will so try, very, they'll try to yeah, find that. Yeah, you know, and so with these unprecedented times, I and mean, obviously there's politics moved into it. And and uh, and also, you know, on one hand, you know, I, I think the church has to speak on very clear issues, which are moral issues like abortion. And uh, in Canada, of course, we have doctor-assisted suicide. Right. Uh, which has been legal for quite a while, and churches have to be willing to speak about it. Um, but really, for a lot of my thought, the so, you know, I really struggled with how you don't want to if you want if you have a real concern for the lost. If I take strong stands on some things, well, people on the other side of that issue aren't going to even listen to the gospel from me. Well, what is that like, really? So if I have a view on masks, and now, you know, in Canada's case, half the population won't even listen to Jesus about the gospel. I don't, is that the right thing to do? No. You have to also maintain the unity of the church, the local church, as much as you possibly can, and be united around the gospel. But part of what I think is that churches consistently forget the distinction between the church gathered and the church scattered. And I think in a lot of these COVID issues, <clears throat> the church gathered is when you, know, you have an official program of the church. Wait, George, wait, sorry. You just broke up there for a second, George. Go back for a little bit and start that thought again. Uh, so, okay, there's this important distinction between the church gathered and the church scattered. Okay. And the church gathered is when the church is gathered for worship, for the official programs of your youth group, you know, maybe some ministry to the poor, missionary support. But really, most of the work of the church is the church scattered, right? It's when you leave your church, you're doing what you're doing right now. It's the doctor, it's the nurse, it's the mathematician. And a lot of the battles around COVID and government policy should really be fought by the the church scattered, not the church taking an official position, but let the mathematicians hammer models and help nurses and doctors speak the truth into what's really going on with masks or not. Amen. You know, because frankly, I'm not qualified to make some of those decisions. Yes. So that was one of the texts. That was the first text, which I really thought that encouraged people to try to, you know, to to think think those types of things through. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's powerful, George. I mean, because more than anything, especially because we're so d- divided, I just need to be in worship more than anything. Yeah. Well, one of the things we did in our church, I'm sure your church did it as well, is we just decided, um, uh, you know, the media narrative and the government policies are very, very strong and very formative. And it's hard to counter some of that. And then you don't know, you don't, I don't know looking at somebody what comorbidities they have, what health issues they have. Right. 
So we've really tried to say that we're one church. In our case, we have two services on a Sunday morning, and but we're one church in, with two, two in-person services in our YouTube, you know, service. And we really try to honor as much as we can that we're, you know, we're one church meeting in three different ways. We're all one church. And I don't know, I, so far we've been trying to take it fairly patient. Um, I don't, because I don't know people's, you know, fear levels around some of this stuff. Uh, we have, you know, there's other people at the other end, and there's no Western expression. Uh, they're all go, no, whoa, you know, <laughs> you say, whoa, to the horse. Yeah. <laughs> there's some young guys and others who are all go, no, whoa. Right, right, right. <laughs> they never want to rein in their horse. Yeah, 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 but you have to try to do what you can to try to say, you know, the whole church has to figure this out together, you know, as much as we can and, and love each other and be patient. And it's um, so delicate. I mean, the you know, the issue is so contentious, but you need to be so delicate and try to sort this out. And there's no win-win for everybody here because no matter what you do, people are going to be angry and people are going to leave and not return. Well, that's where I, I thought that, you know, I, I've, we've, I think we have been fairly consistent on the five biblical texts that, that that's where we've been trying to stand all the way through this. And it's where we were standing before the, before it happened. It's where we're standing now. And I hope it's where we stand at the end. Um, you know, uh, I have, I have a church that's going to vote for different people are going to vote for different political parties. Yeah. I, I, I can't be captivated by a particular political party. Um, that just, I don't think is right. Uh, biblically, um, I, I know things are a bit different in the United States. Canada just had an election yesterday, by the way. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> How's that working out for you? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Oh. George, I'm sorry. I, I think that's an excellent pl- uh, place to end our conversation. We're out of time. But uh, I certainly appreciate y- y- your humor about this and your willingness to engage something that is very contentious. And I- especially in the article, thinking about whether people will come back to church, the biblical imperatives that you laid forth. So thank you so much. I greatly enjoyed the conversation. It was great to be on. Please pray for me. God bless. <laughs> Bye. I will. I will indeed pray for you. Pray for us as well. Uh, We've been talking to uh, George Sinclair, Rector of Church of the Messiah in the Heart of Urban Ottawa. How much do you have saved for retirement? Now, cut that number in half. That's the impact inflation could have on your retirement. Have you thought about that and how it will affect your retirement plans? If not, you should. Recently, inflation's been over 5%, but even at the historical average of 3%, the value of your savings could be cut in half in 20 years. So what can you do? Start by getting a free booklet from Kurt Konodik at Accurate Solutions Group. It will help you understand how inflation could impact you and show you simple ways to prepare for it. To get your copy of this free booklet from Kurt Konodik and the Accurate Solutions Group team, call or text INFLATION to 412-515-3555. That's INFLATION to 412-515-3555. Inflation. You can't stop it, but you may be able to minimize its impact on your retirement. Call or text inflation to 412-515-3555. Firm offers insurance services, investment advisory services are offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I am Danica Bourne. And And we're we're the the owners owners of South Coast Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm who will treat you like family and not just a number. 
Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation, and we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 8.36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed, and one way we can achieve that is by being debt-free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176, and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. What's stopping you from getting the original Peloton bike? I need flexibility with my workouts. Choose from thousands of classes available 24-7. It's hard for me to stay motivated. Programs, artist series, and badges keep you reaching new goals. 45-minute bike boot camp. 30-minute hit ride. My 45-minute hip-hop ride. You get all that? For how much? The original Peloton bike is now at its best price ever. Get game-changing cardio at a new game-changing price. The original Peloton bike, now $400 less. Learn more at OnePeloton.com. Liberty. Nobody should have to pay for one-size-fits-all insurance coverage. Liberty Mutual customizes your car and home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Hi, I'm Kelsey Wiggins, a teacher in Gilmore City Bradgate School District in Iowa. Thanks to a science, technology, engineering, and math grant sponsored by Bear Fund, we renovated an old locker room into a monarch butterfly incubator, providing students with access to innovative technology that engages and inspires them. I encourage farmers to nominate a school district to apply for a $15,000 Grow Rural Education Grant by visiting americasfarmers.com. So this time last week, I was sitting on the beach. <laughs> what a gift that is. That is so lush. I'm so grateful for that time. But uh, I was thinking about, you know, as I was sitting there, so this is this is it, right? I mean, for a lot of people, and I would, you know, raise my hand and go, this would be heaven on earth in some ways to be at the beach every day. Or would it be? Would you just go, I'm so tired of this. I, I need to do something. Right? Is there a balance here? I, I think, you know, I can't go to the beach every day. I'd just be bored out of my mind. You know, you work really hard and then you have some free time. There's got to be, you know, some sort of sweet sweet spot, right? So is there a moderate amount of free time or discretionary time that is that sweet spot that people are happiest with? I think that, you know, maybe having this moderate amount, whatever that is, of discretionary time leads people to be happier than having a small amount because it relieves that stress. But perhaps maybe the more interesting is that a moderate amount of discretionary time leads people to be better off or happier compared to having a large amount of free time. And that's because with a large amount of free time, people feel this lacking sense of purpose, right? I mean, I, I don't care how old we all are. And we all sort of, you know, oh, I'm going to retire someday. If you don't have purpose in your life, what's the point? If you wake up in the morning and you've got nothing to look forward to, nothing that you kind of think, I'm going to engage with this, with X, I'm going to help out, right? I mean, that's the key, isn't it? How can I be of service? What can I do to be a helper, to be that person who does something that's productive, that moves something that's good and true forward every day? Otherwise, what, you want an endless summer, an endless vacation? I think it gets boring super, super fast. So, happy to be on vacation. Loved it. <laughs> It'd be nice to be there now, to be honest. Right? Who doesn't want to sit at the ocean, read a book, Roast in the sunshine. 
Have yourself a nice cold drink and look at that incredible beauty that God provides us with. I mean, unbelievably beautiful, overwhelming. The light changes second to second. The birds in the sky, the sand on the beach, the waves, the sound, all that. But there's a point where you're going to go, okay, I'm done. Let's roll it back up. Let's get back to work. And that's a good thing as well. Grateful to have both of those things. Hope that you're blessed as well to do that. Hey, thanks for being with us. Check us out on YouTube, The Word Pittsburgh. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow, God willing. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.